Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins, and I'm joined again by former Vanderbilt offensive lineman Ryan Seymour. On today's show, Ryan and I are joined by Justin School, current San Francisco 49ers offensive lineman and former Vanderbilt Commodore. We talk with Justin about his time on the West End, his experience in his first year in the NFL going to the Super Bowl, some of his favorite memories as a Commodore, and much more. But before we get started, we can't forget to... Before we get into our interview with Justin, we want to remind you guys that we are brought to you by betonline.ag. The wait is finally over, football is back, and while you guys may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline has more props and game bets than you can possibly imagine on their website. From game spreads to totals, team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag to sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's just hop right into it, guys. Uh, so we are here today uh, with Ryan and Justin School, who has graciously taken time out of his game week to uh, spend a little time with us today here on Believe in Vanderbilt. Justin, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us this evening. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course, of course. Always good to have another offensive lineman on the podcast. You know, it'll be a good time that way. Woo, woo. We got three offensive linemen all on uh, on Zoom right now. I know, yeah. and we're not taking up the entirety of the boxes, okay, so yeah, that's we, good too. We all, we all look, we all look very, very good. So, I know <laughs> for sure. It's not like uh, it's not like we got like Marshall Yanda here or something like that. Like with the shoulders like wider than a than a freaking Mack truck, like. Oh. <laughs> That's who's, uh, Justin, who's the biggest guy? Who's the biggest alignment on your guys' uh, squad right now? Uh, Trent Williams. Yeah. How, how, yeah. Big, how big is that guy? He is massive. Oh. He is massive. He, he, um, he even looks bigger than the guys on TV. You know, he even looks looks that much bigger next to the guys when you're watching it from uh, from your television. How big is that? Yeah. Uh, I think I, I want to say, I mean, he's not, uh, he's, six five probably but three thirty maybe and wow. but he but he moves better than any offensive lineman i've ever seen that's the craziest part to it is how well he moves well you move, you move pretty good yourself what what you what are you uh what are you weighing in at these days uh about 300 305 oh that's a sweet spot baby not you're just over the three bills but you're over there so you still move some bodies man that's nice yeah is he is is Trent the biggest guy you've played with uh yeah definitely yeah I can't think of anyone else being I've hung like, out with do you, do you guys know King Dunlap he played at yeah. Auburn yeah. I've I've hung out with King Dunlap a couple times he's oh the single God. largest human being I've ever been around I mean he he's all of six nine three fifty and it's not fat like wow. he is such a massive person like yeah. it, it's absolutely unbelievable. Like, you know, I, I I've hung around plenty of big guys. Like you guys know, like I went to college in Wisconsin where they just like grow dudes who are like six, six, three twenty on trees. King yeah. Dunlap dwarfs them all. 
Like it's it's so silly. It's so silly. So well, that I get to a couple of big guys, but six nine, that's huge. I mean, yeah, that's, that's you don't see that height, I guess, too often. No, we've got Mike McGlinchey, uh, our right tackle. He's six, like all of six seven, maybe six eight. He's a tall dude, but mm-hmm. he's about 300, 305 as well. So, but yeah, six nine, three fifty. That's a that's a different different person so i mean you i mean you've got trent your team this year you had joe staley last year right and so like you've played with some you know pretty high end like you know hall of fame caliber guys in your first two years in the league what have you garnered from either you know either those two guys or some of the other guys who've been in the league with the last couple of years that has sort of either changed the way you play or changed the way you approach the game yeah i've been really lucky my first two years um to have two different hall of fame guys i mean I think the biggest thing I've learned from both of them is how to be a pro and how to approach everything. Um, both of them, just like how they come to work every day, but also what they look for in film study, like how they do certain things and just little tricks of the trade that they each had, uh, have given me over the past two years have been awesome. So important. So important. Yeah. I was with Joe a little bit too. It's, it's, I mean, unbelievable career that Joe Staley had. I don't even know how many years he's been in the league for yeah. and 10 plus. I don't, don't quote me on that, but it's been a long time. I had the chance to yeah. work with him a little bit as well. And the guy was just an absolute mechanic. Just, you know, he was very, I guess you could say as a technician, yeah. uh, just unbelievable working with him. And that's awesome that, uh, that you get to spend an entire season working with him. And it showed, I mean, we got to see you on the field quite a bit last year as, you know, as a rookie, how was it being out there, you know, first year in the NFL, seeing a lot of playing time last year. How was that? Uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, a great experience. Um, kind of a blur in the moment. Yeah. Um, looking back though. Uh, I mean, it was an awesome experience and I wouldn't trade it. I mean, game experience, as you know, is the best kind can't ask for anything better. Um, and so getting all those reps was awesome. Um, and so, and then obviously having Joe there to kind of talk through with things on the sideline, that kind of thing was, I couldn't ask for a better situation. Yeah, obviously. And then you get to be in, in Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's offense. I mean, that's a little bit different than uh, what you did with Andy Ludwig. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a little different. Thankfully, though, uh, Coach Ludwig's offense was more of like a pro style. So there was some carryover, which was good and definitely helpful when first learning the playbook um, is having some similarities or just some way to make the connection of what I had done in college. It wasn't just a completely complete 180 of an offense. How fun. Now, I also played under Kyle Shanahan when he was in Cleveland. I just remember uh, I I love playing for Kyle and I really enjoyed Every time we'd get a big win, the big celebrations after in the uh, in the locker room. Is he still is he still bring that energy? You know, when he's in the locker room, you guys, what's something you like about Kyle? I just, I mean, he's just an awesome. He's like the definition, I think, of a player's coach. Yeah. I mean, he's just an awesome, down to earth person uh, who's a genius um, with his play calling abilities and how he sets up everyone on the offense to succeed, um, and just like. He doesn't, I mean, just how he relates to the players and understands where the players are coming from. It's just, it's, it's awesome. What's it been like for you guys, I guess, this season? You've had to go, you've gone through three quarterbacks already, you know, with between injuries and everything like that. How different are all three of those guys, like between, um, between CJ and uh, Nick and uh, in Glamour Boy, whose name I'm completely blank off the top of my head. Um, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy G. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I just, I, I just think he's. I just think of him as Glamour Boy for some reason. Um, wh- do they all have like similar demeanors in the huddle, or are they like all like very, very different cats? 
Um, I'd say for the most part, they're pretty similar in the huddle. Uh, I mean, they're pretty locked in and just, I mean, some of the play calls get pretty wordy. So they're pretty worried about that. So they're pretty much locked in in the huddle. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I want to go back actually to coming to Vanderbilt in the first place, because obviously, you know, your, your two big, your big choice was between Vanderbilt and UVA, if I remember correctly. And being a kid from Virginia, I imagine there was, you know, a fair bit of pull to want to stay in state. So what made you want to come out and play for, for Coach Mason instead of sticking around in your home state? Um, I mean, there were a couple things. The first uh, is I had never been to Nashville until I came to visit Vandy. Um, and so seeing that city and seeing like that whole atmosphere definitely seemed like an awesome place to go to school. Um, it was Coach Mason's first year, and I really believed in what he was like preaching and telling recruits and what how his coaches were acting. And I truly believed in like the environment he was going to create there. Um, and so, and then you can't really pass up a chance to play in the SEC. Um, and so, with all those things uh, just kind of aligned. And at the end of the day, I know, like you said, there might be some urge to stay in state, but I actually kind of wanted to get away and kind of do my own thing. Um, and just like a new fresh start, just kind of get away close enough so I can go home if I need to, but kind of get away and be by myself. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely, I can definitely appreciate that. Uh, um, you know, I, I really wanted to go far, far away from home for college for the same reason. Also, because like, at least for me, like I was, I was terrified of my parents, like just like dropping in at any point and just, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm an only child. And so I have like, gotcha. you know, I have, I mean, I have the best parents. I, I adore my parents. They're great. But you know, you, when, when you're 18, you really are yes. ready to not be under the same roof with them. So I imagine that that feeling may have played a little bit of part into it as well. So when you were, you know, growing up as a young tackle, obviously you're probably playing tackle since you were pretty, pretty engaged because you've always been a, a, a tall guy I assume so were there any tackles that you like really look up looked up to when you were sort of starting to learn the position either in like high school or early on while you were at Vandy um yeah I mean I know you talked about Joe Thomas he was definitely a guy that I, I like mm -hmm. to watch um funny Joe Staley was another guy um you know you watch him I remember watching like the Super Bowl the Ravens versus the 49ers when I forget what year it was but I remember it, like learning about who Joe Staley was and that kind of thing. And um, I, yeah, just I like, see, the, I see both of those guys. I see a little bit of both of those guys in you, Justin. Joe was the same way. Joe, very technical when you, you know, very technical on the field. He was the type of guy that would spend hours just breaking down his opponent, you know, figuring out li what little tricks, that, you know, what little tricks that he could bring with him, with him on Sundays to just give him the slightest advantage, whether he was playing on turf playing on grass. I mean, he was always looking for little things to kind of help him just be 1% better than the guy in front of him coming up, you know, on the matchup on Sundays. But I see a lot of Joe and Justin in you. Joe, although he relatively tall guy, but he's very similar build. He wasn't 330. He was always a 305 kind of guy. Joe's always been a 300, 305 kind of guy. Uh, both with just tremendous athleticism. Um, very good, very good feet and hands, um, which obviously is a recipe for making up of a really good offensive tackle. And I see a lot of that in you, man. So you got some good. Uh, you've been you've been watching from some really good guys, man. And you got to play with one of them too. Yeah, so, couldn't ask for anything better there. That's it. Um, 
So you're living in Santa Clara. What part of uh, what part of Santa Clara are you living in? Are you living close to the stadium, or how has it been out there in California with you know with the wildfires and things? Has has it been crazy? I mean, talk to us a little about the adjustments you've had to make with COVID and all that stuff. I'm really interested. Yeah, um, I'm not too far. I'm about 10, 15 minutes from the facility in uh, Milpitas. Um, and What's, the then, What's the protocol, I guess, now with, with COVID? Um, is there, like, restrictions? Is everyone reporting to the, uh, to the facility? I remember when, when I lived there, there was a security guard at the gate. or Do they still have that? Is it one in, one out? How is, uh, how is the adjustments? Like, what sort of adjustments have you guys had to make um, dealing with, with COVID-19? Um, we've, I mean, every day when we get there, um, we got to go right when we get there, we get COVID tested every day. They take our temperature, ask if like, if we've had any symptoms, um, and then we get these trackers that kind of, you keep around on you at all times. And it tells you like the, if you've been within a certain distance for too long, like the close contact thing. Um, and then the, I mean, masks all the time throughout the facility, and all that stuff and then like meeting rooms just completely different like because of how the spacing they've had to do like the offensive meeting room for the whole offense is now just the o-line meeting room and oh, just, okay. and so just like they've had to knock down walls to create like make two rooms into one so that like everyone has a meeting room and so that i mean when we first got out here it took a little bit getting used to um but now it's now that we've been doing it for two months now it it's just kind of the new normal i guess for right now that's crazy that's crazy i mean i can only imagine especially with those like you, you say they have things that have been too, too close to like too close to someone for too long is it like some like buzzes on like your wrist or whatever that that tells you that's all that's like some like crazy like dystopian sci-fi stuff to me man yeah it's it's not so much like it buzzes you it's just like uh trace like so if ryan and i like registered too much time next to each other and one of us came in or had symptoms or tested positive, then they pull the other one out until they have a certain amount of negative tests just gotcha. to try and keep the like government spreading. Yeah, and you you guys fortunately haven't had to have a game rescheduled yet. I mean, the Titans here in Nashville, man, it's been absolutely nuts between all of their positive tests and things like that. They already had, you know, the first game with the Steelers, I guess, postponed. And then the game that was supposed to happen with the Bills this weekend is now moved to Tuesday. But, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, something like the Patriots have like one or two positive tests and so they handle it better, obviously, than the the Titans did. So, but they're still penalized because they still have to go fly to Kansas City day of the game, play without their quarterback. But Tennessee, who kind of almost doesn't get penalized for having so having not contained the outbreak very well. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, knock on wood, um, we haven't experienced anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of kind of the world we live in right now and i think that's why everyone's trying to do such a good job of like the close contact the i mean they're wiping down stuff after every meeting the masks at all times is because once something once it's in your building it can spread fast if you haven't done the right measures and so it's definitely crazy in that aspect to think that it could alter a season so much yeah it's i mean it's uh not only in the NFL, but it's played a lot into collegiate football as well. We've seen a lot of, uh, you know, obviously all of the different conferences are having to make adjustments. Only in-play conference now with SEC, only playing against SEC other teams. 
Um, how do you think Vandy matches up this week against South Carolina? Um, you know, both teams are looking for their first win. And, uh, you know, do you, we, do we you and Debo have anything riding on the game? <laughs> no, Debo and I do not have anything riding on the game, nor do Javon, uh, Kinlaw and I. But I, I like the matchup. I mean, I think it's been a while since Vandy's beaten South Carolina, so it's got to start at some point. So I think I think they're gonna. I, they've, I thought they played really well in their first game against Texas A and M, and they've shown a lot of good things so far this year. And so I think they're just looking for that that first win to get on a roll. Yeah, I, I was going back looking through the game log because you actually never beat South Carolina while you were here, did you? You you, man, you you know you beat Tennessee three times, but you never beat South Carolina. So that's a uh, you know I, I just I just thought that was very you know interesting and notable. Also, like you know you were here, you made two bowl games, which most Vandy players cannot say that they did multiple bowl games, beating Tennessee three times. Played with a lot you know a lot of other really special players as well. Do you have any particular memory that sticks out to you from your time here at uh, at Vandy? Um, or game? You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's probably if I had to guess, probably say my it's either it's beating Tennessee for sure, but it's probably between my sophomore year and my senior year, and I'd probably go with my sophomore year um, just because that win sent us to the our the bowl game and Coach Mason's first bowl game as a head coach, um, and I think they were ranked in the top twenty at that time, um, and so it was a big upset, and it was our sixth win, and so I'd say that it was just. Fun. I mean, we had a great group of guys that year, um, and to be able to do that on those guys' senior nights, like a lot of guys that like I looked up to when I first got there, Andrew Jelks and Barrett Gallagher and Will Holden, those their senior nights, and so to be able to give them that was pretty cool. Awesome. Um, I know I've heard a lot of guys mention uh, a, a lot of highlights of their career was always beating UT, which is a, a highlight of my career as well. When you were there, was that something – you know, was beating UT, you know, was that, did that make that year a success? Was that the, uh, you know, I just, I'm curious, was that like the, um, I guess, standard that, you know, every single year we just want to beat UT? Is that when you were, when you were playing, like, how did you go in week in and week out? Um, what was the mentality, I guess you could say, in the locker room? Was it, was it, you know, focused on every single week or what was your mentality going, going into every single game? And what advice, I guess, would you have for guys? in college um, as they face this really, really difficult schedule. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say that was like beating Tennessee was the – I mean, we always wanted to beat Tennessee, um, but I think there's so many great teams and so many great players in the SEC. uh, You can't really overlook that. And so each week it was kind of a new challenge. And, you know, they have Florida one week who has a top D lineman, and then the next week you're playing – Kentucky who had Josh Allen, the top 10 pick. And so you kind of really just had to reset yourself every week and just prepare for that new chat, the new challenge that it faced that you face. Was there any particular guy that you played against that either gave you the most trouble or you were the most nervous to, to play against? I mean, cause I mean, you were especially, you know, when you were, you were starting as a freshman. So that, you know, that is something that happens pretty rarely at Vandy too, especially on the offensive line. Um, I mean, there were there were a lot of players that were really good that I had the privilege to play against. Um, the one that probably gave the most trouble is that sophomore year in the bowl game. Uh, we played NC State. Uh, Bradley Chubb was their defensive end, um, so that was not a that was not a fun game. That's for sure. 
Yeah, and he's but, still doing things. He's still doing pretty big things over in Denver too. So yeah, no surprise oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think about when I uh, when I was a junior, we were at South Carolina, and it was Jadavion Clowney's rookie year, and I was at left tackle. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, there's a lot of hype around this guy. He's just, you know, he's he's 18 years old. You know, I'm already a redshirt junior. You know, he's just a he's just a freshman. I'm gonna make make pretty easy this guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying. You know, it just it just seems so effortless sometimes. You know, third and long, he just kind of went in gear, and I, I, he had my uh, he had my number all all night long thankfully my thank thankfully the next year i got moved into guard and wesley johnson got moved back out of left tackle so i didn't see much of him our senior year when we were at home on on uh that that opener but <laughs> i think about south carolina oh man i never forget that um being at being at usc and they're playing that sandstorm and i was lining up against jadavion and Oh my God, I was I was totally wrong and misjudged <laughs> everything going into that week. So uh, a lot of good, a lot of good players. Um, but yeah, Chubb is Chubb is a good one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, well, speaking of USC, obviously, you know, we we're playing them this weekend, and so and you know, you've got a USC D lineman on your team, like you mentioned in Kinlaw, and the, that school just seems to pump out D linemen. Like, I, I feel like it's one of those schools that has been churning them out for the last decade, left and right, man. So, like, was there? Um, did you uh, you guys obviously battled when you were in school? So, what is it like going against you know having some guys that you played against now as teammates? It's cool. It's cool. I remember Javon, uh, my senior year, uh, he had a great game against us, sadly. Um, and uh, I remember thinking to myself, this guy, this guy's an animal and he's going to be a special player. And then when we drafted him and then to see him work all through camp and now start the start of the season, you definitely see why we took him uh, where we did. Uh, I mean, he's a beast. He's a freak of nature. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, you know, and speaking of that, though, you know, going back and looking at some of the stuff, you know, you and Bruno Reagan made a pretty darn good tandem there on, on the offensive line for, a, and Bruno's an interesting dude, man. He is like, he is out there in like the jujitsu world now. Like, I saw he just like won some like great, he just won some like massive tournament, like some like yeah, internet. Like some Pan Am tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. Or something. He just, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what category he's in, but. I'm sure you guys all saw he just dominated in this last series or last tournament that he just came out of this past week. Uh, how was it playing with, playing with guys like Bruno? Um, you know, um, talk to us a little bit about the camaraderie you had. I mean, you know, what, what sort of who was your best relationship? I guess uh, on the offensive line when you were there with Mandy. Um, it was well. First off, going to Bruno. Bruno was awesome to play with. He was just a guy that brought like a good sense of humor about everything and like wouldn't like knew when it was time to work, but also knew when there was a time to crack a joke and just kind of make sure it ease any tensions or that kind of thing. And just a fun guy to play with. And definitely, like you guys said, he's an interesting character. And so, but it was awesome uh, being able to spend four years with him there. Uh, and then the guy I was probably, I was closest with um, was uh, Ian Pfeiffer. He was my roommate uh, all four years of college. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, we grew up. Yeah, back to Bruno. Uh, he he made a really good name for himself in the XFL, and obviously with the Rock Johnson buying uh, 
buying the XFL, maybe Bruno might make a comeback. You think he might still have uh, some juice in the tank? I, don't, I mean, he seemed pretty excited about it. And so, yeah, like you said, he did he did extremely well uh, with that, which was no surprise to me. I mean, he's that wrestling and background and all that, definitely you could always see it, how it came into factor uh, when watching him on film and seeing him play on the field. And so uh, it was no surprise to me that he did so well. And so, yeah, I hope he does. It would be fun to see him back out there. So too, man. We hope so too. He's, he's an awesome guy. I mean, him and I uh, still stay in contact a little bit. He's just – He's got the best attitude. You know, him and I have been texting back and forth when he was a little unsure about the XFL, about whether or not they're going to come back. And uh, just, a, just a hell of a dude, man. Hell of a dude. Oh, yeah. For sure. And so you and Jawan got drafted in, in, in the same draft into two of the, the strongest organizations in the NFL. Have you have you been in touch with him at all since you guys both entered the league? Obviously, he's at the Peace. We've been with the Patriots. You've been with the 49ers. You guys made the Super Bowl. Patriots are perennial Super Bowl contenders. Have you guys talked about at all how, you know, about the, the you know, the similarities or differences between those two organizations? Uh, I talked with Jawan a little bit after... OTAs, uh, that gap between OTAs and camp last year. Um, but I did not catch up with him this off season. Uh, I was pretty busy with some trying to get things situated and set up a home base in Nashville. But, um, no, I know he likes it up there and I, uh, we both are lucky enough to go to such great organizations. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think he's doing well at the start this year as well. At least neither of you ended up with the Texans. Cause that seems to be like a dumpster fire right now. <laughs> I know. No comment. No, no, no comment there, obviously. Um, speaking of dumpster fires, uh, the Vanderbilt athletic department recently has been one as well. There's been a lot of turmoil going on between a new AD squabbles with Kirkland hall, legal issues faced by different athletes and things like that. Is there anything that you would want to see either changed or amended, uh, by the athletic department itself from your experience as a Commodore student athlete? Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, I think like the, the more you can improve the facilities, I think that's a big thing. Um, improving the facilities really, I think, um, not only helps the players at the time, but helps recruit guys. I mean, there's a lot of high schoolers. I mean, that's obviously shouldn't be their main focus is how cool their locker is, but I think. Should that be the main focus? You know, what, what advice do you have? of a 17 year old who's trying to make a decision about what, you know, where they want to spend the next four, four and a half or five years of their uh, collegiate career. I mean, I know everyone pushes facilities, 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 um, which unfortunately, you know, that is a big part of the recruiting process these days. You know, what, what advice would you give to a 17 year old who's, you know, trying to make that decision about as they enter out of high school into the next level? Uh, I think the biggest thing is find the right fit for you. Um, it's not, you shouldn't necessarily go chasing, I mean, I know I'm sure everyone who experienced it in high school is just trying to see as many offers as you can get. And I do. I mean, I remember my dad, like, it doesn't matter how many, like you can only pick one, like all you need is one. But I think the biggest thing is finding the right fit for you. I mean, you can go to a school, like whether it's your dream school or not, like you could have had a dream school growing up, but if it's not the right fit for you, you don't want to go just to sit on the bench or you want to find the place where you get the best chance to show people uh, your skill and your talent. And so just finding the right place for you, the right fit fit in the system, and then a head coach you believe in, I think is big too, because I mean, you're going to be around them all the time and that's the guy that's leading you. So 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I, I think we've seen in the NFL again and again that, you know, the, the, the cream is going to rise to the top. I mean, like Khalil Mack went to Buffalo, you know, like, you know, it, 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 not every single dude who goes to Alabama or Florida or okay. USC is necessarily going to be make make, you know, become the best pro or whatever. You know, we, we've seen guys drafted, you know, first overall out of central. I'm thinking Eric Fisher gets drafted, you know, first overall out of central Michigan. Um, you know, we, we've seen top five picks from like every school under the sun, it seems. I mean, Carson Wentz and upcoming uh, this year, the it, it looks like the, the current quarterback from North Dakota State is going to be a top five pick again. So I, I think that, you know, it, it's about from, from the guys that I've talked to, at least, it's just about those the relationship. And like you said, the fit is is really what it's all about um so switching gears a little bit something i like to ask all of the people who come on the show i'm weirdly obsessed with pregame rituals what do you do you have a certain like meal that you eat certain music you listen to before every game um no not really i've never been like a huge like superstitious i mean like i go through and like when i go out on the field i'll do the same warm-up that i normally do but it's not like I have to eat this at a certain time and like I only listen to this music. It's it's just kind of how I'm feeling that day. Um, and so, yeah, there's no no weird, I guess, like rituals or superstitions that I have for game day. Is there a guy that you play with now that you think has a funny pregame ritual? I mean, because you know there's guys in the locker room before kickoff that do some weird stuff, man. I mean, I've seen the biggest guys – you know, on the team, listening to Kesha before the game, <laughs> just getting them pumped up. And uh, that is a true story. A guy who's in San Francisco, Alex Boone, uh, one of the biggest, toughest guys out of Ohio State, uh, was just blast. Kesha, I think it was what's that song? Uh, oh, 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 it's oh, it's it's going down. Um, yeah, Timber. That song had, that song had just come out. I think in 2014 or something when I was there, <laughs> he would blast that song. And you're talking about one of the meanest, toughest guys just in his locker, bobbing his head. It's going down. I'm yelling, Timber. That's <laughs> awesome. What's some funny? Is there what's a is there a guy you can think of now that does some like ridiculously like funny stuff? I wouldn't. I mean, it's not Kesha, but our left guard, uh, Lakin Tomlinson. It's like. After we go out for the warm-ups and we come back in before the game, uh, he'll put on his headphones and whatever. It's like I don't even, I don't even know who the song's by, but it's a, some rap song. It's the same one every time, but he walks, he does circles in the locker room, and he's just <laughs> sc- screaming like the lyrics. He's just yelling with his eyes closed, and so it, I mean, it's the same song. It's every week, um, and so it works. And at, at, he's from Jamaica originally and so everyone calls him the jamaican rapper uh it's just so off rhythm like it's not there's no like rhythm to it and but it's every week and so do you guys have a song that like the team plays in the locker room before you go out uh they they mix up a couple that like uh, we have a guy that has a speaker that when we go out to the there's always there's always like an amateur DJ on every single team and every single locker room. I don't care which locker room it is. Every one of them has some amateur DJ that's got some like $200 speaker they bought at Walmart and they just blast off their iPhone. All sorts of ridiculous music that everyone is forced to listen to in the locker room. You have no option. It's not like you can go over there and be like, 
hey man, you think you can turn it down a little bit? No, <laughs> it's not happening. We used yeah. to always, and the reason why I asked about a, a pre, uh, like a song that you'd play before you go out when I was in Seattle, Bankroll by Little Boosie, every single time we would go out, like like two minutes before we'd go out, it'd be like, hey man, put on that, put on that Bankroll. <laughs> everybody would just get freaking going man it was like time to make that money i guess and i oh, mean i never forget that just the, those like minute or 30 seconds before you go out there and run to that tunnel man talk to us about that like you i mean do you still get that feeling from when you were like 18 years old like when you're your first like first sec kickoff game or like talk to us about like you still get those jitters what's it like for you out there like especially you know you're kind of going back to last year, you know, getting a lot of playing time as a rookie. Talk to us a little bit, you know, from someone who maybe hasn't been a player. What's that feeling like kind of going yeah. out there or is, or are you numb to it all? No, I definitely wouldn't say I'm numb to it all. Uh, I'm not the big, like, jumping up and down, dancing kind of guy. But, yeah, when you're sitting in the tunnel, especially when you get, like, we our fans are awesome. And so um, our first home game uh, was the third game of the season. And so we had had two wins. Um, and so I, I think the fans then could start feeling, you know, that, that last year was going to be something special. And so, I mean, they were packing our stadium at week in and week out. And so our first home game was actually my first ever start. Um, and so standing in the tunnel, you know, they have the smoke going up and you're, you just hear the crowd roaring. Um, it's just, it's, I, there's nothing really like, like it. There's nothing I've experienced that's anything like it. Um, and so, yeah, like, and then you go to some of these away stadiums that are crazy too. Um, I didn't play in, or yeah, I didn't play in the Seattle or New Orleans game, but, but New Orleans was, that place was cool. And talk about some Dude. cool, in, yeah. talk about some cool intros when they black out the stadium. I was, um, in there too. I, <laughs> you're, you're a lot better than I was, Justin. I mean, I like, was good enough to always make the team, but maybe not necessarily good enough to stay on the team every year. <laughs> so I played on seven teams in five years, but New Orleans was one of them. But also just a, the, yeah, the, the opening kickoffs where they like black out the lights and everyone runs to the tunnel is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, what was I going to say? I, I had a thought and I lost it. Sorry, Matt. Well, I was going to say, are, were there any SEC stadiums that gave you that, that, that as an away player, yeah. that, that, that's, that same feeling? Because I would imagine you going into Bryant Denny, going to Neyland, something like that might, especially, I don't know how many night games you had at any of those places, but like I've been down, like I've, I've been down to night games at a couple of those places, and it's, it's crazy with Tiger Stadium, worst something like that. The loudest stadium to play, or maybe the worst stadium that you played in as far as like fans just heckling the heck out of you. Um, Tennessee is always a big heckle. Um, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, I remember. That was my first ever road game in college was at Ole Miss. Um, And so standing in the tunnel, uh, I vividly remember my freshman year. um, You'll appreciate this, uh, Ryan. We were standing in the tunnel, and I'm trying to make sure my name's not out there. I mean, I'm a true freshman. I was like, the last thing I need is people – and Barrett just walks right out into the middle of the tunnel, Barrett Gallagher, and they're screaming at him, like yelling everything. Yeah, they're just screaming. And he's turning around, like, come on, like, I, come on, like oh, yelling back. back down. You know, Barrett. Oh, yeah. He's, he's yelling back at him. I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> how, is, uh, how, how, uh, is Barrett two years or, or three years? He was, he's, I think he's three. He was there my first two years. Okay. 
So yeah, their classes that they were there my freshman and sophomore year, uh, and yeah. they were gone. Yeah, I could see Barrett out there just like turning around. He's just like the the redhead. Oh yeah, knowing he doesn't give a crap. Like he no, he's like long. bring it on. He's bring like talk, on. like talking back to him. Everything. <laughs> yeah, that's how uh, I remember one of the worst uh, one of the worst times I'd ever heard hecklers was LSU. I feel like their their fans are like field at least like you know in georgia you got the hedges fans are like completely removed from the field so you don't hear a lot of like kind of individual name calling and stuff versus when you do like when you play at a bandy i've even heard guys i played with in the nfl telling me like oh my god dude i used to i used to hate playing at bandy because our bleachers are right behind the visitors uh like you know even in, even on our side i mean you can literally turn around and touch the guy behind you when you're sitting on the offensive bench I mean, you could try oh, yeah. to touch a, someone in the crowd. Um, I, I remember particularly like LSU was so bad. I mean, we were just let they were letting us have it. Their fans are like right behind us on the bleachers, and uh, well, their fans like, had also been drunk since Tuesday. So, <laughs> busting in, I'm not kidding you, busting in. You know, we stay I don't know relatively 20, 25 minutes outside of Baton Rouge, right? And then we bust it into the stadiums pretty much for every pretty much for every game. And I remember LSU in particular, like we were five miles outside of the stadium still, and there was just thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, tailgaters and fans. And I never forget this little, he might have been 10, 12 years old, little kid, and he is just giving us the bird, flicking us off as the buses are going by with the uh, police, you know, with the police escort, and his dad is like patting him on the back and like, yeah, son, there you go. Tell him. <laughs> so funny. I was like, mom, I got flipped off by a 10 year old today. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, uh, it's family tradition down there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Family tradition. Oh, uh, that, that's what, well, yeah. I mean like, you know, Wisconsin, we were the same thing. Our, our stands were like on the field. And so for the longest time, ESPN would not do primetime games there because the student section was so uh, vulgar and you couldn't not pick it up on the microphones that they like, they had one primetime game in four years when I was there, even though they were a top 25 team every year because the student section was right there and so vulgar. So I can, I, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, uh, which was always, uh, which was always a lot of fun, but I, you guys, you Vanderbilt offensive linemen seem to have a, a camaraderie with each other and you guys seem to have a relationship across like, you know, I don't want to say like generations or anything like that, but like, you know, you guys didn't overlap at all, but you guys all, you guys all seem to know each other. Um, and so what for, for you guys, what is that like having sort of like, you know, the lineage and like the history of, you know, these different Vanderbilt offensive linemen and like stories, like w trading war stories with each other? I think for me, it's awesome. I mean, we've got to learn from a lot of guys. And then like last year, I had Wes Johnson out here with me in camp uh, with the 49ers. And that was another guy I didn't cross paths with at Vandy. Uh, we didn't play together, but he had always come back around and I got to know him that way. And then hanging out with uh, Jelks and Guger and them. Uh, uh, and so I, it's, it's really special. And I don't, I can't speak to other universities, but I think it's really something special about Vandy is just knowing all the same type of guys um and so just there's always that connection yeah i don't know i, I don't know what it is particularly about vanny offensive linemen you know i when i was a senior i guess and barrett and jelks and froming and all those guys and will 
I took, I remember taking those guys under my wing. I remember like, okay, here's just a really tight, you know, four group of guys that I love spending time with. You know, I try to just, I guess, uh, any questions they had, or I try to show them a, a great, you know, time advantage. I don't know what it was, man. You just kind of feel like, uh, it just comes with the role that you always have to look out for one another. You're always going to protect your own. Uh, Bandy put on some good linemen. You know, as I look past over the years, I think about that's always been a position that we've had guys go and play the second level almost every year. But the guys before me, we had Chris Williams, we had Bradley Beerling, uh, we had uh, 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 Thomas Welch. Um, I mean, now we who, guys in the league still. We got we got you, Justin. We got Spencer uh, Spencer Pulley. You know, me and Wes were in there for a little bit. Now you. I mean, Bandy's put on some good linemen over the last few years. I don't know. I don't know what it is there, but uh, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's because the smartest guys on the team are always the offensive linemen, and Vandy's the smartest school in the conference. So you know, I, I think that's really what it boils down to. Smart guys want to go to good schools. Justin, have you seen guys who were maybe on the fence? Um, about maybe making the 53, which guys are going to make the guys over the guys that are on the fence? You think it's going to be the guys who know what they're doing out there or the guys who have a lot of talent, skill? I, you, they, you got to know what you're doing for them to trust you. If they can't was, trust you, they're not going to pick you, you out there. I was sitting here for that answer, and the answer is, is you have to know you have to know your rules, responsibilities, you have to know the plays, you have to know, you know, you have to be a smart player out there. I've seen guys who are just the most – you know, ridiculous talent in the world, but unfortunately just couldn't put it together when they got out there in the field, when bodies started moving and centers were making calls and they just, whether they had a bust assignment, I mean, that was the quickest way out of the league. It's just not knowing what you're doing out there. Do you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, they, if they can't trust you, they're not going to put you out there and it doesn't matter how talented you are on the sideline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you know, you, you see some of these, these, truly physical specimens you know and, and, and i i hear ta- i hear so many fans be like you know why isn't he out there why don't you tell the guys you have all like the measurables and whatnot it's like well if you're not going to pick up the playbook or you don't know your responsibility or you know you just don't have it you know you don't have it between your ears like you know it's just it's not going to happen no matter how much talent you have in the world i mean we see uh what is it, isaiah wilson the rookie out of georgia this year for the titans like guys got all the talent in the world, but you know, he's already Where's made like, two or three off giant off field blunders. I mean, he's already gotten a DUI, you know, and you know, coaches aren't going to trust you if you're doing that. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, <laughs> don't be that guy, Justin. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> don't be exactly. that guy. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. We, we, we doubt that you are, but just in case you needed a, a you know, a little nudge, don't, don't be that guy. So appreciate it. So outside of the game, though, uh, obviously, you know, you said you and your fiance got a place here in Nashville in the offseason. What have you been what have you been focusing your time and efforts on outside of football, especially, you know, during the offseason? Um, I mean, mostly I just like catching up with friends that are still in Nashville. Um, and then I like on the weekends trying to get out and uh, play golf. I mean, I'm not very good, but I enjoy getting out there and just kind of getting away from everything. Um, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Hmm? what's your hand yeah oh it's bad uh yeah no we're we're playing for fun that's we'll put it that way play, are you one of the, you play better after a few beers or are you does the game just go to crap mine goes to crap when i drink my there's a fine line for me like it's <laughs> it's like i get to a certain point but i never seem to understand when i'm at the line and so it's like 
<laughs> it's like you're out there and it's like oh, all right like it's not going too bad and then you but you don't realize you got to stop and then eventually you start in the woods to the left in the woods to the right and what's uh you have a favorite course at nashville um you know i always like throughout college we'd always just play at mccabe but then recently yeah, yeah. uh yeah every, but then recently that's everyone's 36 dollar go-to oh it's the best it's the best it's awesome the one i started playing because they had to shut down for a little bit right before i left and so uh, a friend of mine and i started playing at ted Rhodes. um i like that course a lot too that was, that's a fun course to play at ted Rhodes, yeah i love ted Rhodes. what's your go-to uh well, I mean, I guess it's a little hard now with COVID. What was your what's your go to spot, man? When you're back in Nashville, like where where do you grub down on? Where do you go get a beer at? Uh, go to spot. That's tough. Um, love Edley's. I really like Edley's. I was about to say Edley's is the go to for barbecue. We all yeah. I love their hot chicken though. Edley's hot chicken, I feel like, is very very underrated. Um, if I'm going to Edley's, there's more than likely I'm going hot Matt, chicken Matt at Edley's. And his wife at McDougal's. Oh yeah, yeah. For, first time I ever came to Nashville, uh, I was driving down from, I, I was on my way to Mardi Gras, in New Orleans, and I was driving from New Hampshire. I had just moved back from Australia, and we, I, I just met my wife like a month and a half before my now wife a month and a half beforehand. And I was like, oh, there's this girl I like in Nashville. Well, I'm gonna, you know, my, my flight's canceled. I'm gonna drive. I'm gonna stop in Nashville. And my wife's vegetarian, but she took me to McDougal's and uh yeah we've been together we've been together ever since and so but actually and 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 then and now she was actually living on mccabe golf course she was living in um she was living literally right there in sylvan park on mccabe golf course and so uh yeah it's a country club oh it's it's amazing it's amazing it was you know she was in those apartments that are literally like on the course and so like their neighbors You've been, have you have you guys been to neighbors right there the the, the, the tiny little hole in the wall bar oh, yes, great place great, great spot absolutely great spot so yeah I can definitely I can definitely appreciate that and that and, and you're right about the McCabe golf course nothing beats it and now there's an and there's the Edleys right there I mean when I first right started coming there. here there wasn't an Edleys there so um but I mean uh when I first got when I first moved to Nashville in 2008. Oh my God. I mean, I couldn't even explain to you now. Uh, if I mean, there used to be parking lots where now entire skyscrapers are. I mean, Demumbrian, where those apartments are, used to be a parking lot. 12 South used to be, you could only go there and get pizza. Like, there was nothing there. Now, 12 South is full of restaurants and, uh, and, and, and shops. Demumbrian Street, um, that, that across from Tin Roof and all that, that just used to be a, this just used to be a parking lot. Uh, they had just finished, I think, uh, they were just now had a few buildings up in the Gulch. I think Icon had only been there a few years when I got here. Like, there was nothing in the Gulch. Like, that wasn't even a thing. Like, well, the hotel and, wasn't there. And, like, Justin, you said, like, you know, you, you got a place in the Nations. You were not going to the Nations after dark in 2010 when I started coming here. That's what, yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, and that's, like, guys that I've played with that grew up in Nashville have talked about how crazy the transformation of the city has been um what made, so, you choose, what made you choose nashville like to, to to settle your roots i mean was it college i mean just because you have friends here still you love the area what do you what made you decide uh, to build some roots here kind of all the above like you just said uh, i mean after four years of like i said i had never been until i visited vandy and then four years of going to school there i was like man i really this has been a blast i really don't want to leave like this place is awesome 
Um, still had some friends there. And then um, my fiance and I, that's where we met, was in Nashville. And then it's about the same. She's from South Georgia. And so it's about the same distance from of South Georgia, yeah, like South, I, I, South, Southwest Georgia. Oh, okay. I'm Southeast. I grew up in St. Mary's or Camden County. It's South, as far Southeast as you can go. Yeah. She's just almost as far as Southwest as you can go. Okay. Um, Did y'all meet in Vandy? Uh, uh, no, just in Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah. We just met in just Nashville. You. you were good looking. You were like, what's up? <laughs> you know, how'd y'all meet? Yeah. Um, we met, uh, just out and through mutual friends. And so, no, uh, it was, she wasn't a bumblebee or anything, you know. Uh, no, she was not. That's the world we live in. No. Okay, hey, there's a I know. great relationships out there. One of my best friends I got played with in, in San Francisco just when we got married a few years ago off of Bumble. Oh, yeah, no, we had friends that uh, met on Bumble that just got married a couple months ago. So, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 impressive that there's so many that are meeting off that stuff now. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, no, it's, it's crazy. Like we, we thought like one of my friends, uh, she met her now husband on Tinder. And uh, this was back in like they met in like 2013, like right right when Tinder was like just a hookup app. And and it, when we were like, you're going to marry the guy you met on Tinder. Are you sh Rachel? Are you sure you want to be doing this? Like. <laughs> So, but now it's just like par for the course. Yeah. And so, but yeah, that it's kind of like so the same distance, COVID, you know, what'd you say? I was saying now with COVID, that's kind of your only option at this point. <laughs> yeah. No one's really going out. You're single, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of married, uh, this guy just got locked down, uh, uh about two weeks ago, by the Oops. way. So a uh, big congrats, congrats uh, your first show back since, uh, since the nuptials, uh, how was the ceremony, Ryan? Did you guys, uh, break it down to the dance floor after? Well, we, we spent a week in Miami, you know, like Will Smith. I'm going to Miami. We're down there. Uh, went to the Seminole Casino down there. Lost about everything I had. But, you know, she, she's still mad at me about that. But um, but she's stuck now. But she's stuck with you now. So it's okay. I told her. I told her. And hey, from, uh, from, uh, <laughs> from her Instagram, it looks like you guys were eating seriously well. Oh, man. You know, you got you to gotta do a big. I still got the I still have the offensive lineman blood in me and you'll and that'll never go away justin when you get done i'm at like 259 right now you know i was 320 when i was playing but uh that the fat guy in you will never go away <laughs> oh man do you struggle to keep That's... weight on justin are you like because i know wesley you talked about wesley this guy oh, he couldn't keep weight on. he could not keep he would be like coach used to make him come in at like six in the morning like put down two or three peanut butter sandwiches and then he'd have to go to class, like struggled to keep weight. I'd be like, Wes, it's embarrassing that you can't even finish your meal. And I'm like, I'll eat your meal if you're not going to finish it. And he's like, oh, I'm full. I'm full. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't struggle like that. No, but um, yeah, I would I'd say keeping weight on like there was a time when I couldn't get it off. Uh, like my first couple years at Vandy, it felt like I was. You know, you have your weigh-ins every week, and I was going to say like, your body has really—I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm checking you out or nothing, but your body has really transformed. To me, it seems like over the years dramatically. Even the, the picture that we posted today on the uh, on the Believe website, um, the picture of you in college, your body looks totally different now. I mean, you look—you're in great shape, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. So at first, at my first couple of years at Vandy, I was definitely the guy that was like making sure like you're just making it with weight just because you starved yourself the day before 
Um, but now, now it's not so much the case. Did that? Just kidding. Yeah. Did you? Uh, were you? Were you? Were you a guy who I like? You know, I I know a couple guys. You know, they they had a lot of baby fat until they were like twenty, twenty one. Were you one of those guys? Because like, you've because now you've like filled out and you're looking pretty cut. So like I don't know. So what what was your secret? What was the trick for you there? Um, I well, I think when I first got to Vandy, it was the freedom of having you know like all like the meal swipes and it was just like this is awesome like i can go get a milkshake whenever i want like and it's like pretty much free i was like you, you can't beat this and so that caught up quick yeah um and so i think it was kind of reeling it back in and kind of realizing like so you want to be successful like you gotta yeah. make the sacrifices off the field too is that learning how to be a pro is that something that Staley taught you you know what you put <laughs> yeah, in your no. body Oh yeah, no, he definitely is. It's incredible how much he took care of himself. Um, this, the food he like the food he ate. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely, well, you have, you know, if you're going to sustain a 20, you know, 15 year career, like Staley did, you can't be taking the shortcut shortcuts, I guess, not only in the weight room, not only on the practice field, but also in the cafeteria. Right. I mean, that's another thing you have to real, if you want to get to that, if you want to get to that, you know, that many years in the league, that's something, you know, you can't cut corners on any aspect, I guess, of your game. But um, that's that's awesome. Yeah, you, you, you really look in great shape, man. That's, uh, I, I definitely fell under the same, I guess, category when I first got to, to Vandy. I was a defensive lineman. And uh, very quickly, they moved me to offensive line. <laughs> and then it was, you need to slow down. <laughs> yeah, and I was always barely making weight in the NFL every Thursday when we weigh in Wednesday night, I'm sitting in that sauna <laughs> till 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that, no, I don't. I'm, I'm like shoveling food in my face before weigh-ins on Thursdays. Trying to keep so, your weight up. Cause do they yeah. penalize for if you're too light? No, we don't. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, and so, and I haven't been drastically light. It's just, you as never your, know. Has your weight fluctuated, I guess, at all from your rookie year to your second year? Um, not too much. Uh, I'd say I had four, five pounds, maybe. Like I was closer to maybe 310 when I first got here and now more 300, 305. Did they have, uh, did they have you do a, uh, did they give you a rookie haircut? Did they make you do a rookie, uh, a dance or they're not a lot they're not allowed no. to call it hazing anymore or but we skit. all know no. there's no hazing just, just no. skit yep no um thankfully we did not have to do haircuts um but we did the rookie show and i saved this for you guys i saved this because this is what my hair looked like my rookie year i had long hair like this and um well, this isn't our real hair, by the way. This is my wife's hair. Yeah, I think. <laughs> but uh, but they cut. I had a I had a mullet, so I had long hair, and then I shaved it into this mullet, and I ended up, I ended up keeping it like my whole rookie year. Um, so that was my haircut. But I thought I I, I, I thought I would whip that out mid interview today, so you can check that out. <laughs> I, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, we didn't. We were our, at our school. We were. There wasn't hazing. There was referred to as opportunities. Right. 
it was rookie opportunities yeah exactly so but the did your training regiment actually so after having a a year in the league did your off-season training regiment change a lot between your rookie year and now your second year yeah i think having that first like full off-season to kind of you know set up like a meal plan and get like a trainer and that kind of thing and just really having nothing to worry about except being in the best shape possible um i definitely think was huge and i it uh, was definitely very beneficial to me is the uh is the is the opportunities that you have in the nfl was it similar to what you had at vandy or i mean what sort of i guess differences were there in uh being in san francisco did you do you guys have like a nutritionist there was there one at vandy is there anything special that you have now that maybe you wish you would have had back then um we didn't actually get a nutritionist at Vandy until like my senior year, like right at the start of my senior year. And so, uh, that was, I guess, definitely something I wish we would have had my, all four of my years with someone who was purely dedicated to nutrition. I definitely feel like that could have That's helped. A big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I've been trying to focus on and was a big thing for me this off season was eating right. Um, yeah. so, how much time? How much time are you putting in uh, hours outside of that? I guess are required of you. I know you're you're there normally eight to five or whatever the you know allotment schedule is. How how many hours are you having to put in your of your own time in the building? I mean, it's really. I mean, now that we have the iPads and stuff uh, for film and everything, it's really. I mean, most of the most of the nights. I mean, there might be like Monday after you've gone through the game film, you kind of get away and just kind of not worry about it. But pretty much every other night you're watching film like Tuesday, you're getting ready for that first day on Wednesday when you start installing stuff. And then from there on out, it's the guys you're going against. Um, and so yeah. it's pretty much every night, a, a, an hour, a couple hours, just kind of trying to make sure that you, cause like you said, you need to know what you're doing. If you're going to, yeah, I guess it is a little bit different, I guess, from when I was in the league, you know, you see, the iPads and stuff were just now kind of catching on a little bit, I guess. But a lot of the guys still like to go in and watch film, like in the offensive line room. Like you'd see guys, you know, park their, their trucks or cars in the parking lot till like eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, you know, and they're watching film. I remember I was sharing with Matt last week about Russell Wilson was like five thirty in the morning. He was there, and when I left, his car was still there. I'm like, does this guy? home or is he just park his car here like do you see guys like that is that still going on or maybe that's still that sounds like that might be something a little bit different than i guess when i was possibly in the league guys there till midnight or, well and especially with covid there. too yeah covid you know is it are coaches there too or i mean is there regulations i guess coaches or are they still you know they're told the crack of dawn yeah no they're definitely still here uh <laughs> at those crazy hours there's no regulations on how long you can be in the facility, um, which is good. But yeah, you definitely have guys. I mean, like the quarterback, like Jimmy, I don't think I've ever seen him leave before me. I feel like every time I'm leaving, he's still there, whether it's media stuff that he has to do, like stuff for the media or I don't, I don't even know what he does, but um, yeah, there's definitely guys that, you're like, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to go lay down while I watch film, not sit in the chair. I, I want to ask you because you guys just had you guys just had back to back games in New York. You guys didn't even go back to the West Coast, did you? Between the Jets and Giants games, so no, you, we went. Did you just stay in the New York in in New Jersey or whatever the whole time that you guys were there? 
No, we actually went to um, the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. Um, and so we were there for the week. Um, that was, that was cool. I had never, I had never heard of it. Um, but it was a cool, it was a cool spot. It was different. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. They have a casino there and they had different things that you could do. Some Sweet. guys, yeah, some guys, <laughs> Ryan perked up. Yeah. <laughs> some guys went and played like, I know some guys went and played. They had a uh, couple really nice golf courses. Uh, so some guys went out and played that those. Um, and so who's the best, yeah, golf, who's the best golfer on the 49ers? Uh, Robbie gold, our kicker. He's, he's of course, he, he's, <laughs> he's got he, the most yeah. time on his hands. Oh yeah, God. exactly. Every kicker, every kicker, but you, you come in and Justin, I'm sure you can speak on this. You come out of your, you come out of your position meetings and you go in the room and you get your stuff or check your phone or whatever. Cause you can't bring your phone in there. And sure enough, almost once, twice a week, I walk into the locker room, and who do I see? I see the kickers over there in the corner, chipping on the chipping on the carpet, trying to land a ball in a cup or a helmet or something. I'm like, what do y'all do all day? You know, like you get paid the same as we do. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that. Um, I always joke. So my dad long snapped in college, and so he taught me when I was younger how to do it. And actually, the Giants game, I ended up long snapping for our last extra point uh, the the other week. That is, I did, I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and so, um, but anyways, I always joked. I was like, man, I told my dad, I was like, camp would be a lot easier on the body if I would have just listened to you and just been a long snapper. I was like, it would be so much better. But the more you can, the more you can do. The more Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, well, Justin, man, I, I appreciate you coming on with us, uh, Matt. I don't know, if you got anything else? I mean, I, I just want, I just, you already asked him what his handicap was, so, um, you know, I, I think we're, I think we're good there. I think we just have to have a, I think we have to have a golf outing next time you guys are in town. Is really what it boils down Justin's to. Full cool golf outing. I mean, you think that's something you could, you can get the charity. Is there any? Uh, let me ask you this. I'm still trying to. Uh, I'm still trying to stay in the game. So I work with a couple youth programs here in my hometown that I work with offensive linemen. Um, is there any, uh, is there any groups that you're involved with? Is there anything you want to shout out or are you working with it? Do you put on a camp every year or is that something you've been thinking about or want to do? That's definitely something I want to do. It's nothing I haven't gotten around to doing that. Um, I know there's like, you know, the, my cleats, my cause, uh, that the NFL does mm -hmm. last year. I did it. Um, I'm sure Turner Cockrell and Turner's Heroes. Awesome uh, fun, I, yeah. Yeah, something really cool. Uh, I mean, obviously a tragic situation, but what Cody Markell did to set up that foundation for Turner and everything they've done, uh, has it's been tremendous to see the difference they've made in many people's lives. And so I, that's what I did the My Cleats, My Cause for. And then, Great. so. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, um well, we really appreciate you having on, having you on, Justin. Um, Good luck against the Dolphins this weekend. Squish the fish for me. I'm a Bills fan, so you know it's. Uh, it, I, I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. We look forward to watching you. Um, we look forward to watching you on TV, and hopefully, we see you when you come back here this off season. And we'd love to have you back on anytime you want. Maybe I can get. Uh, maybe I can call Staley up, and we can get get you on there with the, the four of us on here and chatting a little bit, but, um, but man, I really, really appreciate your time. You've such an awesome 
career thus far. I mean, you're still young, but man, you had a huge impact last year taking the 49ers to the Super Bowl. You should be really, really proud of that, man. That's a that's a huge, yeah, huge absolutely. accomplishment. Only a, only a handful of guys will be able to talk about how they took a team to a Super Bowl. And, you know, we got our fingers crossed and we're wishing you well. And hopefully you, get a, hopefully you get a ring by the time your, your career's over, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. This was awesome. Of, of course, of course, and uh, hope you can uh, hope you can shove it in a Debo and Javon's face on uh, on Sunday before the game. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I got faith. I got faith. All right. Well, uh, before before we get you out of here, let's get an anchor down. Anchor down. Love it. Anchor down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.